Striving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. So this is the first in a five-part podcast series on being a new leader. The wonderful John Osborne has helped us put this together, one of Australia's top leadership coaches. John, can you tell us a little bit about your coaching and what you do? Absolutely. My name's John Osborne. I'm a leadership coach. I started life as an engineer. I worked as a consultant for a global consultancy for over a decade. And now I coach leaders, including many leaders who are new and who are kind of finding their way. Awesome. So we obviously talk quite a bit, and the one topic that we keep on repeat is the whole new leadership thing. So usually people get promoted because they're a really great individual achiever, and then they get given a team of people, and it's like, now what? This is an entirely different skill set. No one prepared me for it. No one told me how tough this was going to be, and how do we better prepare those leaders? So you come up with a list of five things that people really need to focus on. Yeah, I think the cliche that we kind of get promoted to our level of incompetence is both true and unhelpful here, right? Because actually it is a question of being incompetent in that you're stepping into something new as a new leader. And like anything, any new skill, then you build competence over time. But I think uh, potentially it's unhelpful because people can kind of blame themselves. And so the five things that I've come up with are aimed to help people see perhaps some of the ways that they can observe leadership in a more powerful way. And the first one, I guess, is to draw the distinction between leadership and management. So these two are kind of like Russian dolls, like leadership builds on management. And unless you're an effective manager, uh, you'll struggle to be an effective leader with one or two exceptions to that. So we can talk more about a definition of leadership that helps people produce better leadership. But that, that's probably the headline for number one, recognise the difference between leadership and management. The second one is the role and the importance of expertise shift. So often, as you mentioned before, people are very good in a technical role. They're good as a subject matter expert. And of course, expertise is not particularly relevant to leadership because leaders are responsible for people who have many different skill sets, many different areas of expertise. How do you lead when you no longer understand everything that everyone does? You have to start drawing on different resources. So second point, expertise is no longer relevant. I guess the third one, I think this is kind of really important, is that it's not about you and no one cares. To the extent that I think if you're self-conscious as a leader, it's important to remind yourself that Leading is not about you. Leading is about other people. And so that's something that I often coach people on, right, is that you're spending a lot of time thinking about yourself. But if you want to lead, you need to point people somewhere that they want to go and you want to take them. The fourth point, which is possibly several conversations, is the notion of conversation and how conversation is currency as a leader. What a leader does today is a result of the conversations that they had yesterday. And what the organization produces tomorrow is the result of the conversations of today. And how do leaders have effective conversations? That really is the work of leadership development. And I think the last one, it would kind of be remiss to not talk about teams. So 
there is often a view that if we bring a group of very smart, high-performing individuals and we put them together, that will equal high-performing team. And it's just not true. And there's quite a lot of literature that says why that isn't true. But I think there's a shift required to think about high-performing teams as more than just skilled individuals. So they're the five things to think about as a new leader. I love those five things. There was one thing that you said, though, before you went into those five things, I think is really important. And it's around that you start this leadership position, right? And I think people expect to be good at it because you've been promoted. So it means you're great, right? But also, you know, you've done really well in your career so far, probably. And you start this position and you're not good at it. And I think sometimes maybe it's just managing those expectations at the beginning beginning as well. And just, I guess, having more awareness over the fact that it is going to be hard and it is tough. And actually, it's okay. Like, no one walks into it and just goes, oh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it sorted. No worry about me. I like it. There is so much to it. And I think maybe there's just a lack of awareness or education around that piece before you even get into those five things. It's a great point. And we've talked about the importance of learning and seeing everything that we do as learning. One of my favorite metaphors for leadership is it's more like a performance rather than a skill set or a tool set or knowledge. And I think so often when we think about developing competence, we talk about knowledge, but it's really clear that you can know as much about leadership as you like. But in the moment, that's what matters. How you respond in the moment is not how many frameworks you know or how much training you've done. It's are you able to embody the kind of response that's required in the situation? So that's what we're talking about. And of course, learning is crucial to that. I think that a very powerful frame for leadership is to think about as leaders, we are learners. And the metaphor of the black belt in karate or Aikido, I think is really helpful here because the way that they train, of course, is in the dojo. And the dojo means that people of all level are training together. So I could walk into a karate class. I've never done karate in my life. I could be training with somebody who is a black belt with 25 years experience But what happens with the black belt, I'm told, is that over time it fades. And so it starts to look like a white belt. And I find that to be such a lovely metaphor that, of course, we only achieve mastery by constantly staying in the place of the beginner. I love that whole beginner's mindset. But what a great reminder and a really nice way to put it. I love it. All right. So the one thing we were going to dig into today out of your list of five things was the difference between leadership and management. And talking of metaphors, I really love the whole Russian analogy that you used before. So can we dive into that a little bit more? Can you dive into that explanation and then um, I'll... Absolutely, yeah. So let's first talk about management because I think that so often management gets a bad rap. And yet, if you speak to anybody from any organisation in the world, what they're complaining about is generally management or lack thereof. And so my approach has been very influenced by some thinkers One is from Chile and his name's Fernando Flores. And Flores in the 70s was looking at what was happening with information technology. And he became very clear that there was a shift from expertise, from being like a master craftsperson, to this increasing complexity, which required coordination. And so the primary role of management is to effectively coordinate different disciplines. And so if you look at many large organizations, what they struggle with is that department doesn't understand us or they're working in silos and there's a sense of kind of us and them that people aren't connected. And that is exactly the challenge of coordination. 
and coordination as distinct from expertise because those kind of judgments of other people often come from, well, they have a different skill set to me, so they do things differently and I don't understand it, therefore it's us and them. Coordination is not about that. Coordination is we're producing something together. Can we have the interactions we need to do that effectively? And that is the art and the skill of, of management, and it's very important. Having said that, what management is doing is attempting to produce stable recurrence. And the effectiveness of an organisation is that it can reliably produce the same thing to the same standard time and time again. Now, the challenge then as a manager appears when you have a team member who's underperforming or the challenge appears when something like COVID happens and the environment completely changes. How do we maintain stable recurrence when that happens? Well, we have to innovate. We have to dance in the moment. And there's been a great deal of challenge that some of my clients have been experiencing around how do I maintain that team performance? How do I maintain that team morale when everything's virtual, when we're spending eight hours or more a day in front of a computer? But that's a bit about management. It's about maintaining stable recurrence and it's also about coordinating in a way that's effective. That's completely different to leadership. And yet leadership builds on the ability to coordinate because as a leader, some people think of leaders as being very isolated, but if you're a leader of any organization, you work in a team. If you're a CEO, you have a C-suite and you have a board. If you're on a board, you're part of a team. So being able to coordinate with others is a foundational skill. And if you don't have that, you're going to struggle to be an effective leader. And I, I don't want to say that you won't be able to lead because that's not true. I just think that the energetic cost, the potential conflict and the potential outcomes will be not as beneficial. So leadership, the role of leaders is to create a compelling story about the future that other people want to follow. Leaders are responsible for producing a future and that is different to maintaining stable recurrence. The question that the leader has is what is important to the people that I lead, what is important to me and what's happening in the world and can we synthesise those into some kind of a future direction? So I guess with that, it's really around trying to really understand that distinction, that separation, I guess, number one, and then essentially building both those skill sets almost in tandem. Is that the best sure. way to describe it? <laughs> For sure. I mean, I think one of the one of the metaphors of the dance is helpful here, right? Because in a way, we have to learn some of the moves before we can do the dance. But actually, there aren't that many moves that we need to know before we can start practicing. Just like uh, swing dancing, you can kind of learn a handful of moves and um, not be great, but you can turn <laughs> up and dance. You know, <laughs> at least you have something to build on. And I think if the foundation of management is missing, then, then we can get into trouble. And one of the trends that I kind of see in, in leadership development is that we, there are things which are popular to talk about. There are kind of certain trends in leadership. If they don't build a foundation of management first, then I think they cannot produce the kind of outcomes that people are hoping for. So I guess then going back to the new leader position, so you've just been given a team full of people that you need to look after. In terms of how you can better upskill and how you can look after that, is it a case of working out what management skill sets, like you say, what are those few moves that you really need to work out? And then going, right, what's the same for leadership? And what do I need there? And what are my moves there? And then working from there as a starting point. I think there's, there's two components which are really important in leadership. And one is doing, and the other one is being. My experience is that 
if we spend 80% of our time and energy on being, most of the doing looks after itself, which isn't to say that management is not a science because there are moves. There is like a chemistry of management. When I say chemistry, I mean a way of observing things. So just like in chemistry, we have a periodic table and the periodic table allows us to see that if we add copper to vinegar, it's going to go off. Then it's the same with management, that if we learn what to observe in what's happening in a team or an organisation or a project, then we can make the appropriate moves. And I'm grateful for, to Bob Dunham, who's helped me understand the primary lens of the manager is a way of seeing and a way of being. I don't well, know leading if I by example. Leading by example, but also I think this notion of are we able to observe the right things? Because there's a lot of talk at the moment about mindset. And mindset, of course, your beliefs are crucial. The beliefs and the kind of behavior that they produce, those are crucial things. But the game of leadership is not self-improvement. It's not self-development. Because self-development is about me and my experience of the world. Leadership is about interacting with others and taking them somewhere. That's an entirely different skill. I like that. So I guess then, as a new leader, now worked out the distinction between management and leadership, you know, there are two different skill sets you need to build on. Where's next? What do I do? How do I start building those skill sets? Where do I get started? I think one of the first things that many leaders that I work with come to recognize is that it's okay to ask for help as a leader. And I think there can be a common reaction to kind of almost muscle up, you know, and say, oh, I'm good enough. I deserve it. I'm going to prove myself. And actually, that's not very helpful as a stance. There are times and places where you need to say, this is not working. Because if you can't say this is not working, it will continue and it will, it will get worse. I'm not suggesting that you do that in public. But I do think that it's important for new leaders to find someone or a place where they can explore those questions. And for some people, that could be going on a leadership training program. For other people, that could be finding a coach. And for, for others, it could be finding a really good mentor, someone who they really look up to and respect. But this learning is a transmission. You're not going to learn how to be a leader by reading Brené Brown books or watching YouTube. Even though they can be useful, they're not ultimately <laughs> going to get you there. So I think the first thing, yeah, is, is recognising like, that asking for help is part of leadership. And knowing where to find that. And I think the uh, second thing, again, is coming back to that thing of being a learner is not to confuse there are things that I don't know with I'm a failure, with I'm no good. And to really be clear on where are the areas that I need to learn? Because if someone's been promoted to a position of leadership, somebody else saw leadership qualities in them. So they're building on something great and there'll be blind spots and there'll be gaps. And so having some kind of way of understanding what those blind spots are so that someone can work on them, I think is the second part of finding your feet initially as a leader. I love two things there. One, you must have seen my facial expression when you said Brené Brown. And I was like, don't you dare say anything bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about Brené Brown. What I, what I am saying is I think we have a culture where we've confused information for knowing. Yeah. And, exactly. and for all of Brené's wonderful contributions to leadership, I think that knowing about the thing is not knowing how to do the thing. 
And that was the point I was yeah. trying to make. So thank you. No, I know. Clarif- you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> facial expressions at that point, I was like, where's he going with this one? No. And then I think the other one was just around the failure point as well. Like, I think we spend so much time on this idea of success and failure. And it's something that I've always struggled with. And so is everyone, you know. I think it's one of those. I read a book actually over the weekend how, called How to Fail. And there's a podcast series around it as well, but I've not listened to the podcast yet, but I will. And it was just this brilliant reframe. The right, um, the rest took you through all these different chapters. It was like how to fail at tennis, how to fail. And like, there were really one, but also big things, but just this kind of how to reframe it and how to see it. And actually it really isn't failure. It's just a learning on the way, right? And if we can just reframe everything into being a learning and stop trying to attach this huge outcome to it all the time. And just, again, I guess, going back to your original point about that beginner's mindset and that growth mindset, and just keep seeing it and stop trying to decide success or failure based on a certain interaction. And then I think the other one was just that you mentioned was around how you observe a situation. I remember that always being a big thing for me and just realizing that the way that you see a situation isn't the way that everybody else sees it. And maybe the way someone's reacted is around how they've seen the situation. So spend some time seeking to understand that rather than trying to come up with something. And I think that was a really really big thing for me when I first started managing people because I think you assume so much that people see things the way that you see them and no one sees them the way that you see them ever. No, there's a lovely story that Bob Anderson tells in the book Mastering Leadership and Bob Anderson's work, his life's work has been around this exact question around how do we upskill people to take on different perspectives in such a way that they can massively increase their leadership effectiveness and he gives the example of a piano player who's been through all the, got to grade eight level and done a diploma and is now going to this prestigious music school. And she hears about this piano teacher who's supposed to be, you know, the best at the school. And, and so she walks into the class and there are two pianos and he's sitting at one. And so she sits at the other one and he plays a C, he plays the note C. And then he invites her to play and he's not saying anything and she plays it. And he's not happy, and so he plays it again. And apparently this went on for weeks, an hour of him playing a note and her playing a note and him playing a note. Goes on for weeks. And then she played the note and he, that's it. And then they carried on. And the point was that he was an observer that she wasn't. And the key to her getting better wasn't getting faster, wasn't playing more complicated music, but it was in her ability to listen. And when we talk about management, so often what people are focused on is tasks or results or what I said. Well, I said this and they didn't listen. And I think that listening is is more than half of the skill. And it's the same with leadership. We were talking about Martin Luther King the other day, you know, and I think that what was so impressive about him as a leader was that he was listening in so many ways, and that while he was completely part of what was happening, he was also somehow able to like go to the balcony, as we might say, to kind of zoom out and say, what's the bigger picture here? And I think it was his listening that allowed him to speak in such a compelling way. I really love that. And listening is such a huge thing. And I'm sure when we talk about conversations currently, there's going to be a lot around listening in that. But I think, yeah, there's so many situations where you just think maybe if I'd listened better and the whole idea of active listening, but training yourself how to listen. 
I remember that kind of as an idea a while ago, I think would have blown my mind if someone had said that to me 10 years ago. But I think now it's so important to just give yourself those reminders. Like, am I actually listening or am I listening to respond? Because there's a massive difference in that. And knowing what to listen for. Mm, Am I, yeah. yeah. Am I listening for problems or am I listening for possibility? Am I listening to the story to try and solve it? Or am I listening to what's actually going on for this person? There's many different ways we can listen. And again, when I talked about the basic moves of management, this is a significant part. There aren't many moves, but knowing what they are helps us listen to them and listen for them. Do you think you could call out what you think the significant moves for management are? Like if you had to say, right, management, there's three things that you need or leadership, there's three things. Is that a list or is that to kind of, that's like how long's a piece of string? Uh, yeah, I could call them out. Um, okay. But I can't explain them in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. So we're, we're probably straying into the conversational currency here. Okay, all right. That's absolutely fine. But I think leaders are, are paying attention simultaneously to three different realms. They're paying attention to the realm of me, what is happening inside me. They're paying attention to the realm of we. What is the conversation that I'm having inside and how is that affecting the conversation I'm having with others? How are we coordinating? Where are the gaps in what the team's doing? And then I think they're paying attention to that third domain, which is like the world, the results, the external. And you simultaneously have to be looking at all of those things. The reason that I think approaches like mindfulness are only part of the puzzle And also, I don't think they produce particularly effective results in terms of leadership development, is that they only focus on me. They don't focus on we or the world. And to me, any kind of leadership development should be like a fractal. Like even if you have a sentence of it, it should still contain the whole of the depth that we can go into. In terms of the moves, the moves are conversational. Those conversational moves, there are only six key things that we can do in language if we want to move things forward, if we want to take some kind of action. And um, understanding those moves is the foundational work of leadership. I love that. I'm really looking forward to our conversation is currency conversation. (laughs) How many times do you say conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so is there anything else you think we haven't covered around leadership and management as our first point that we should cover today? Yeah, that's a great question. Laura, thanks for asking. I think there is one other thing that I would like to share that I think can help people who are new to leadership, which is the place of, am I too accommodating or am I too focused on results? And a great deal of the leadership literature looks at this kind of dichotomy. There are various ways of talking about it. But essentially, our, the way that we're raised, our training, our history has us focus more generally on one of two things, either relationships or results or task, the task at hand. Now, there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but there's a kind of a trap that we can fall into in in either side. And the trap of the results obsession is that we don't connect with people, that we don't effectively understand other people, and as a result, we don't coordinate. And these kind of leaders can be known as kind of the interim CEO, or they can be known as the kind of hire and fire in a china shop but that's a short-term strategy if you're a leader in a, inside an organization that's going to be a tricky game to play because it's more likely that you will get people offside i think 
before you you're promoted to your next level. So that's the challenge of focusing too much on results. On the other hand, I think if you're too focused on relationships, my observation of people who are in this place is that they can spend a lot of time worrying about, did I say the right thing or am I doing things right? There can be a lot of anxiety or doubt that shows up in that place. Both of those things are natural, of course, when you step into doing something that you've never done before and you're doing it in public and the stakes are high, which is what leadership is. But the key thing there, I think, is to recognise the energetic cost of focusing um, too much on relationships and, and seeing that the task is also part of the role of the leader, that both of those things are part of the, the role of the leader. Sometimes people say to me, well, is it about balance? And I'd say, well, actually, no, it's not about balance. It's about upskilling in both and knowing when to use which one. But I think it's a great starting point for new leaders to just reflect, do I spend most of the time worrying about the relationships here? Or do I spend most of my time worrying about, are we going to get the result? And if I'm one or the other, then how could I take another perspective just for a moment and to almost sense the body of that? If I'm a people person, but I go into task mode, then what happens in my body? Does it tense up? Does it get rigid? Do I kind of turn into a bit of a a controller perhaps, and get people offside? And how can I be in the place of getting the task done while maintaining relationships and vice versa? It goes the other way as well. I love that. I think it ties to what you were saying earlier, just around almost that like check-in. It's almost like, like what questions can you be asking yourselves at the end of each week, end of each month to kind of check where you're at, how you're handling things, what's going on and where else can I look at things differently? So maybe we need to come up with a checklist of questions too. Definitely. And one of the questions which I learned from Jennifer Garvey Berger and uh, Carolyn Cochlear, her colleague, is how could I be wrong? Mm. How could the way that I'm seeing this situation be wrong? So that's a I question to add to our list, Laura. We can, yeah. we can work on that. Yeah, I love that. The other one that always makes me think of that is Paddy McCord's book about Netflix. When should they used to, if they ever had two people that had completely polar opinions on things and they couldn't agree, they would publicly make them debate it, but they would make them debate it from the other side. So they would have to try and win the argument for the person that they could not get on the same page to. And I really love yeah. that because there's something in it, you know, we'd all want to win that debate, wouldn't we? But yeah. from doing it from the other person's side, you must really have to understand that whole point of view to such a degree. You know for well you could never come out of it or very rarely come out of it thinking that, oh, actually, no, I'm still entirely right and that person's entirely wrong. Like, and I just, I think just sometimes just using that as an example to yourself and going like, how could I argue this from their point of view? How could I see it differently if I had to argue the other point? It's just a really nice check-in as well. It's almost the perfect segue to our next conversation, which is about expertise and the role of expertise and how that shifts into leadership. So I'm really glad that we've made that connection (laughs) and we we can unpack that more in the next conversation. Definitely. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. I'm very excited for the next session. Thank you so much for everything today. Pleasure. Thanks, Laura. Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving and thriving. 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 Striving and thriving.